Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate, and I'm a homeschooling mom doing this homeschool thing right beside you. I don't have it all figured out, but one thing I know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Join me and other down-to-earth members of the homeschool community as we share the reality of what this homeschooling journey is really like. This episode is brought to you by Night Zookeeper. Do you have a reluctant writer at home? I'm raising my hand over here. I could tell you about the time that we were at a homeschool co-op and there was a copy work assignment during which the children were expected to copy a state's motto. And my little guy would only write the word motto with a period. And I could tell you the time that he was in a story club and he was supposed to write a a biography, like an author's biography. And the only thing he wrote was my name is and his name. And it said, I dislike asparagus. He's a mathy guy. Writing has never been his jam, and he will figure out mathematically the fewest possible letters to get by with any given writing assignment. That's pretty creative, right? But it's not the kind of creative writing I'm looking for as a homeschool mom. I love to share creative resources. And I love creative resources that really tap into a child's interest. I'm going to share one with you today. And if you've been hanging around with me for a while, you already know what I'm about to say because I have gushed about it in newsletters and on episodes in the past. Night Zookeeper is a fun and educational online learning platform for children. Night Zookeeper helps your child become a better reader and writer by making learning fun, engaging, and magical. It's per- Perfect for children ages 6 to 12 years old. You know I love to game school and that play-based learning is extremely important to me. Learning through play is a really fantastic way to help develop writing skills in children. With Night Zookeeper, your child will play games that increase their vocabulary and improve their spelling. Your kiddo will receive personalized feedback from a team of dedicated tutors. The Night Zookeeper tutoring team provides your child with weekly lessons that incorporate interactive video elements and games to teach your children key skills to improve their writing. Night Zookeeper also offers publishing opportunities. Your kiddo's work could be published in the Night Zookeeper storybooks, featured in the card games, or even end up on the TV show. In addition, your kiddo will be part of a community of young writers who positively comment on each other's work. The comments are moderated by their tutoring team, so the interaction is completely safe. My reluctant writer absolutely adores Night Zookeeper. He's a gamer at heart, and he's super creative, and it completely grabs hold of those interests of his, and then encourages him to write. So when he's playing, because he says, can I play Night Zookeeper? When he's playing with Night Zookeeper, he's not thinking that he's writing because he's having a great time. I have noticed increased confidence and increased skills since he's been using it. And he's been using it for several years now. Night Zookeeper is offering the Homeschool Sisters community 50% off an annual membership and a seven-day free trial. To get access to your seven-day free trial and inspire your kiddo to write more this week, head to thehomeschoolsisters.com to the show notes for this episode and click the special link. If you end up using Night Zookeeper and your kiddo loves it too, please leave us a comment to let us know because I love hearing when resources that worked for my family also work for yours. 
So if you'd like a seven-day free trial and 50% off an annual membership of Night Zookeeper, head to thehomeschoolsisters.com and click the special link in this episode's show notes. And now on to this week's episode. Hey sisters, Kate here. I am so excited for this week's episode. I am getting to sit down and chat with one of my favorite human beings, Mary Hannah Wilson. Mary has been on the show a couple of times before, but if you are new to us and you haven't heard those episodes, I'd just like to tell you a little bit about Mary. Mary is a writer, online teacher, and homeschool mother to four kids ranging in age from middle school to college. She believes that creativity, laughter, and fun are the backbone of engaging and inspiring homeschools. On her blog, Celebrate a Book with Mary Hannah Wilson, she shares homeschooling resources, tips, and ideas, as well as fantastic book lists and tools for teaching literature. You can also find her in the virtual classroom, leading live book clubs for kids throughout school. My youngest was in Mary's book club, all of last homeschool year and he absolutely adored it. When Mary is not teaching or writing, you can find her reading, traveling, binge watching a show with her teens, or enjoying great conversation over a cup of tea. Without further ado, please welcome my friend, Mary Hannah Wilson. Hi, Mary. Hello, Kate. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Summer has started, though it is crazy May. (laughs) <laughs> I know, May. Vanessa says 24 hours at a time. Oh my gosh. I'm glad we're not doing school anymore because I'm not sure where I fit it in with all the other things that we're doing. It's just, I don't know why everything has to be. It's all fun stuff, but there's just so much it's of it. all fun stuff. That's everything turns on in May. Yes, it does. Because everything's winding up or starting up kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. I'm so happy to have you on. It's always good to talk to you. And you've been on this a few times now, right? Am I remembering correctly? I I think so. I think we did screens and I think there was another one that I'm not thinking of. (laughs) I think we did book club guides. Yeah. Like celebrate a book. And then we've done like a, a group one. Yes, we did when we were away. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to be back with a new topic. (laughs) I'm so excited. So for those who don't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. I'm Mary Wilson. I'm a homeschooling mom of four children who are now all teenagers, but we have homeschooled the entire time with the exception of one child who tried high school, but seven days later decided it wasn't her jam, which was fine. And she came back home, but my kids are now my Oldest has just finished her second year of college. And I say second year because thanks to dual enrollment, she will graduate in three years. So we're like, are you a sophomore? Are you a junior? So we just say, you're done year two. I feel very European. You are finished (laughs) year two. And then my second daughter graduates this month, adding to the fun in May. She graduates high school. And then my son will be a junior in the fall. And my youngest will now be a freshman in high school. So everybody is grown and uh, yeah, it's a whole different world. This it's bananas. I just, I think of your kids being so much younger and then I'm like, Mary's kids can't be that old. Cause that means that mine are getting old. <laughs> like where did that and yours, go? yours are, <laughs> I know signing up for driver's ed and all that jazz. It's oh bananas. my goodness. It was a blink, but so fun. And could you tell us a little bit about how homeschool 
transformed into business for you too. Yeah. It's interesting because that was not something, especially where I am now that Mm -hmm. I ever predicted. Of course, when I started homeschooling, I was a blogger, a mom with an online journal (laughs) back in (laughs) the blogger days of of literal blogger.com and started sharing our homeschool adventures. And then that slowly morphed into kind of more formalizing that, like really trying to provide resources for people so that they could come to my website and search and find helpful topics and information. And then social media came along. And then as the kids got older and I had more time, I decided to maybe look for less entrepreneur activity Mm -hmm. and actually ends up working for a homeschool company for a while. And then when that didn't work out, decided to go ahead and teach myself what I was most passionate about, what I most loved about the former job to take online throughout school, which is a platform where parents can take all sorts of great classes. And I thought I would start teaching book clubs because as a homeschool mom, I had organized book clubs for all my kids for years. And it was one of my favorite parts of homeschooling. I think they enjoyed it too. I mean, yes. I know they did. I, don't, I, I can't think say we all enjoyed it because I've never asked. <laughs> we liked right? I was you sharing them on, about it. Yeah, I was sharing them online and we were doing themes and I I would love to bring that love of discussing books to other families and have that group atmosphere that for various reasons, the online platform works really well for a lot of families to be able to create that for their kids. And I've been doing that. I just finished up my second year of teaching book clubs during the school year. And it has been such a great fit and I love it. And now as my kids are getting older, I'm still getting to read and discuss really wonderful children's literature that I love YA books. I love high school, but oh man, you and I were just talking, I get to talk about Charlotte's Web this summer and I'm just delighted. (laughs) That is so fun. And I love, I was, I had Vanessa on recently and she was talking about creativity and how important it is for moms to make sure all homeschool parents that you're just fueling that creativity so that when we're in this phase now where we're finding ourselves with more time, because suddenly you do, it's like all these years, it was like, go oh, and all teaching all the things and learning all, and going all the places. And all of a sudden your teenagers are more independent and they're off doing their own things and you're left with more time. And if you don't have that, you can be like, well, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I am glad that I was able to foster that a little, even unknowingly, but throughout the entire journey so that I was ready to envision that as I stepped into it, which is really nice. (laughs) And I love that you're taking the part that you loved and the part that you were really good at. I'm feeling a little bit of that with never bored learning because we're making the playbooks and they're all like the lazy unit studies that I loved. And because now my kids aren't, I have two in school and then my youngest is pretty independent. We've been doing it for so long that I almost don't need to create. I throw things at him. Like, do you know this when he's interested, but he's so good now. He's helping me create the playbooks. So I can be like, doing it's continuing what I liked when they are doing their own thing and my speaking of him was in your middle school book club all this year and absolutely adored it I'm so glad we had a great time that was a they're all really fun groups yeah which I love I love getting to know people I've met online and I'm getting to know their kids and it's a really special unique time we live in that I get to do that It is really cool that all the online options, I think about that a lot because being someplace where there's not a lot of homeschoolers, I don't know if I didn't have that, what 
I don't think we would have had, we wouldn't have had as much fun, but I think I wouldn't feel as connected to the community yeah. as I do. Yeah. I, right now when I was going on, I was like, I'm starting the podcast now. And he's like, and he's like, who are you interviewing? And I said, Mary. And he said, my Mary. I was like, yep, you're Mary. <laughs> I've gone from your Mary to his Mary. <laughs> I know we can share her. So one of, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is that you, I think you're good at all books and you're like magic for picking great titles and extract, <laughs> extracting the fun from it and translating it into other ways. But I think in particular, you have, you're embracing graphic novels. And I know in talking with homeschool parents, a lot of people are like, kids are obsessed with them. Kids and teens are obsessed with them. I know mine are. And I think we grew up in a time where maybe that wasn't, we didn't really have them. And there's this thought, do they count? Are they quote unquote educational? Like, how do I read them aloud? How do I talk to my kid? I know personally, I never liked reading them aloud. So I would sit beside them and they'd show me parts. But it, if you're not used to that, that platform of, or type of a book, like how do you embrace your kid's love of them and incorporate it into your homeschool? Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> and they have gained in popularity, which has been awesome because like you said, they're just a writing format. So you can find them in all genres. They're not, I misunderstood that about graphic novels. I thought of them like as a genre. I don't know why, but they're not. They are a Well, format, I think originally like in the library, I think when they first started getting really, or at least I should speak in my library, when they started getting really popular, there was like the graphic novel section and they're still bits. Yeah. So I think that's maybe why we like compartmentalize it because it's not, they're not like yeah. everywhere. We don't don't think of this like, oh, I'm looking for a great history book for my kids. I'll check out graphic novel. <laughs> and we need to adjust that mindset because we can do that more and more. So for me, it's been a bit of a journey getting there. And the child that most influenced me is around the corner. She can hear me talking about her. <laughs> I, I had a child who that was all she wanted to read. So all my, actually my oldest didn't really love them, but my other three kids really loved graphic novels. But I have one kid who insisted that was it. That's all I really want to read. I hate when you make me read anything else. And we took a risk her eighth grade year and decided, all right, then we will only read and study graphic novels for eighth grade. And at the time it felt scary. Looking back now at myself, I would have been like, what were you so scared of? But there are a lot of people who still feel that way. Mm -hmm. I'm years down the road and I've been studying graphic novels for so long that, but it was scary. Is she going to miss out? What big literature thing elements is she not going to get? Because I've decided to do this. And there weren't resources. I was just making it up as I was going. And I won't say I did the most spectacular job, but we had fun. It looked so <laughs> and, fun. And it led me to seeing how rich the, the writing format was, that there was so much we could do with it. And that, of course, led me to thinking that was something I could also provide online that I did not have at the time and could start discussing graphic novels with kids. And I do a weekly book club for that. So they are valuable. Now, your question, I think at the end was about reading them out loud with your kids. <laughs> yeah, that is tricky. My daughter was in eighth grade when we did it. So I read it separately from her. Mm -hmm. There are very few times I have read a graphic novel out loud with my kids because it's hard. I have done it, but it's just a whole different type of reading. And so you just have to be in a different mindset. Like you're going to sit and enjoy a book 
together in a different way because you both need to have the book. You need to have access. So you have to be sitting together to look at the pictures and read along. And the thing with graphic novels, though, a lot of times is the kids really like reading them on their own. Where a lot of times for a read aloud book, we're reading out loud and they're cool to just do their own thing with a graphic novel. Like they want it in their hands so they can look at the pictures. So you could read it out loud or you could do a lot like we did where I read it and she read it. So we could Mm -hmm. still discuss it and talk about things in it, but we weren't trying to sit there and do it together because that is a little hard. You can, but it is hard. I've I've had parents ask about that when they've taken some of my court, one of my courses that's on reading. Um, And I always think about the magic school, school bus books, which my kids loved and the content is spectacular, but I always, how do I read this? (laughs) All the like little bubbles. and, And I think it can feel a little bit like that. But I really like when you share a book with your kids that you're not reading aloud, that you're both reading on your own time and then coming together to talk about. I think that's really neat. And I like that you're doing that with graphic novels. Yeah. Cause then you can talk about what image did you really, and what part of the book, and you can have all the same discussions that you would have with a regular book and so much more because you can get into the artwork and the graphics and the design and that kind of thing. How, so how, when you're researching them, how do you find them? Because I know, so whenever people are asking me about graphic novels, they always mention Captain Underpants. And I remember it might've been Jim's release. Somebody was talking about the literature says it's so important for your kids to fall in love with the story. So it doesn't really matter if you want to raise a reader, if you hate Captain, Captain Underpants and you just can't stand it, it's still a value because Captain Underpants made so many readers, but I think that sometimes parents are thinking when they think of graphic novels, they're thinking about those early quirky ones that maybe seem less educational, even if they are finding a love of reading. So how do you find good quality ones for your, like, what are your sources? Oh, so many sources. I'm on a lot of email lists. I just do a lot of searching. Like I will look for new and upcoming graphic novels and request them so I can read them, preview them. People can go to my website where I've got lots of great lists (laughs) now having read so many Goodreads, just all of the places we go and the library. Now my library also keeps them separate and I scan looking for ones I haven't read. Sometimes they'll be in the library like people will pull out bestseller or most requested or bestseller and they'll be intermixed in that. So I'm just always looking for them. Yeah. So, I, so my youngest said that Mary picks the best books and he likened you to my friend, Kate, who is actually opening a bookstore, but you guys have that. I think if you're a book nerd, like we are, that it's very hard to find books that you haven't heard of before especially if you're like constantly using them for homeschool and people always joke that they don't buy us books for gifts and stuff because they know that we've probably already read it, but you are someone and Kate is someone who will be like, have you seen this one? Emmy and the, what is the title again? Cause you just told and me the before. Kia code. I'm terrible at titles. My family loved this one and I hadn't heard of it before. And then you did it in the book club this year with my son. And he was so excited that it, I get to reread it. I remember this one. It's been a while and this is a really good book. So I just, yeah, that's a fun one. Different writing format because it's free verse poetry, which is another whole really unique, cool one to explore. And they, like, if you told them that some kids would probably be like, ugh, free verse poetry. I don't want to read that. You just be like, look at this cool book. And then they're reading poetry. (laughs) I don't even know it. Eight and such great plots, which is often 
the case with graphic novels. Though it did take me a little while. It's a different kind of format. I still remember the first one I finally read. I pulled out one from the series. I don't have it here. Just when we talk about incorporating graphic novels and it's a different format, one of the great things is it does hit all the genres. This is history and nonfiction. And they are Nathan Hale's hazardous tales. This is one of them. The first one is actually One Dead Spy. The first one I read was Treaty Trenches, Mud and Blood. And I did it because I was teaching my kids about World War II and my boys knew everything. They were just like spouting off facts. And I was like, how do you know this? And they were like, from our graphic novel. And I was like, all right, I give in. I'm going to read this graphic novel. And I won't say I was like, oh my goodness, this is the best book I've ever read. But I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. This is entertaining. It's easier to remember. The facts are interesting. And it was presented with humor. And I was like, okay, there is something to this. The format, and of course, Nathan Hale. Yes. (laughs) that, That I just loved. And it started unlocking that idea of these books being useful for educational goals that I had, not just what my kids pick for free reading. And that was a big shift for me. Like, I think we could actually do a lot in education with these graphic novels. And that was the first time that shifted. I love that story. I, years ago, we tried one co-op and it didn't end up working out, but it was a history, an American history co-op. And so when we went to like preview to see if it was a good fit, we went to one of their sessions and it was on the Battle of Bunker Hill. And my oldest just knew the ants kept raising his hand. And the other mothers were like, way to go, mom. You're rocking history. I was like, we haven't covered any of this. He was like, it wasn't my mom. It was Nathan Hale. And everyone's just dying laughing. <laughs> and a couple of people hadn't heard of him. I was like, you might want to check him out. Yeah, it's true. And, and he is fantastic. Yes. And I think the cool thing about graphic novels is the images I would think help your kids remember more of the facts, just having it. It's like a visual storyline in front of you. It's not just the words. For a lot of kids, like I said, my oldest didn't really like them at all. And I don't think it's something I liked exposing her. I usually had her read one each year, just pick an interesting one because I think it's just like exposing our kids to all genres, Mm -hmm. even if they don't like them. It's just as as important to exposing them to all different writing formats. So some kids are dying for them and that's what they want to read all the time. And other kids, it's just an exposure that this is another way to tell a story or to share information. So for our visual learners, especially that hooking information through the graphics, but even for our other kids, and that's one of the reasons I love graphic novels is we are in a world where visual literacy is so important. Like how to see images in front of us and make inferences and draw conclusions and understand what's being said via an image that graphic novels are just such a natural way to practice that skill. And of course we're doing it in an educational setting. So we're often doing things like one of my favorites. I have a, I have so many sitting here. This one, very cute little boy, superhero. He has powers. He can't really control, hence the big hole in the wall. But there was visual foreshadowing in the book. Nothing was mentioned about this drone that was like flying outside the bus window. And then several pages later, it becomes a huge part of the story. But if you're clued in and you're looking at those images for details, that's the kind of stuff we could talk about is what do you think is going to happen with that drone? 
because it's not there by mistake. Just like we talk about in a novel that, okay, they didn't say that by mistake. They're letting us know there's something to come. In a graphic novel, we're doing those same things, but we're doing them visually, which is just a whole other way to think about the same goals, foreshadowing, all that kind of stuff that we want to talk about with our kids. I love that. As you're talking, and I know I didn't put this on the questions or anything, but I'm thinking about all the the concern about AI in the media and how that is visual and you're going to need to be really aware and a critical thinker when it comes to things that you're presented with. So I think this could be a way to prep for that too, just as you're starting to just get kids to think about what they say, critical thinking about it. Definitely. What are some of your other favorites? Because I love when you share. Okay. Okay. And I know that all the poolside professional development listeners are like, (laughs) you don't have to have your pens out because it's all going to be in the show notes, but. Okay. I pulled out. Okay. Super was one of my personal favorites. In fact, the first guide I wrote to help parents discuss these with kids, this went in it because I thought this was such a good one. And the other one that went in it, that was one of my favorites was this one, measuring up. A oh, Taiwanese girl. Yes. She moves to America. So you've got like this cross-cultural thing going on. She loves cooking and she's got her grandmother's influence from Taiwan and she loves Julia Child. And so you have that cross-cultural connection and she enters this cooking contest and she's trying to find friends. And there was just so much good stuff in here to discuss both content and then of course the graphics that those are two that I love. I will, and I pulled out for you my, so at the end of the year, I let my students vote on their favorite graphic novel. I loved that you did this. Yes. And I, and we read 28 during the year and in the eight to 10 year olds and in the 11 to 13 year olds, the winner was Cleopatra in space. (laughs) Or if if you're seeing this visually, this uh, video, all these post-it notes are all the things I want to talk about when I, (laughs) so just ignore these. But this is a series. So the fun thing about it, and so it's Cleopatra from history, but it's in the future. It's a science fiction. So it's fun. Like you have the pyramids and the Sphinx show up. And so you're getting these like allusions to the historic Egypt, ancient Egypt, but yet it's all in space, in sci-fi. So this was hands down the favorite. So another really good one. And then I'll give you another one. Yeah. <laughs> this one, this Alfazu Kabushi wrote a very popular series called Amulet. Oh, People love that's why the I know the name. Series. Yes, that's a yes. frequent flyer here. <laughs> oh, yes. And Explorer is a series he wrote. There's three Explorer books. And what he did is he took, and this is what I love about these books, is he took six other graphic novel writers and he gave them the same prompt. So it's like giving a writing prompt assignment. And the prompt is the mystery boxes for this one. There are three, two other prompts in the other series. And they all have to write a graphic short story. So it's you're getting into short story. You're getting to see all the different interpretations of this prompt, the mystery boxes. And then you're getting to meet other graphic novel writers. So you've got one that looks like this, bright and cheery colors. And then you've got another one that's written oh, wow. with a totally different mood. Again, we want to talk to kids about mood, how to create mood. We do that with words and novels. We do that visually in a graphic novel. So without even reading, what kind of mood is going to be in this one versus what kind of mood is going to be, and for people who are listening to this, the first one 
is just very dark black pages. And the second one, it's very bright colors, white space around the panel. I recognize so, that art, which the bright one, who is the other one that you showed? Who? What author was that? Yeah, the bright one. I don't, oh, Raina Telmiger, who's oh. written a ton of oh, graphic yeah. novels. And that's the thing too. You start to recognize, it's like recognizing a novel, the writing style, you start to recognize the art style. And we'll talk yes. about that a lot too. Oh, that's so, so cool. these That's my daughter's favorite. Fine. She's always, Raina's as old as you are. I can tell, like, she's always talking <laughs> about the same things. I think you'd be friends. <laughs> she like an eighties, nineties kid. <laughs> yeah. I, I think she was. Yeah. So those, those are some of my favorites. I have more, but you know what? I will go through a few more because yeah. I will also explain again, why there's such value in these books. So another reason I think these are so great for homeschoolers to embrace the, this format is for our older kids, they can really provide a foundation for more difficult literature later. So for example, you can find Shakespeare in graphic novel format. And so you can read it that way and have these rich discussions. And then when they encounter the book, it's, oh yeah, I know this story. And they have something to like hook on that. You can find, here's The Hobbit. So oh, before cool. you tackle that book, you could read a graphic novel version or read them both and discuss the differences mm -hmm. and what you enjoyed about each one and putting visuals, comparing the graphic novel to the movie because they're both visual is another fun thing to do. So I just oh think gosh. even as that our kids needs to get be your older, next thing. I've had so, so many fun. requests for like teenage classes and I'd love to get there one day. I got to get my own teenagers out of the house. Yep. Um, and then we talked about like history. And again, no matter what you're studying, you can pull a graphic novel in. One of my favorites is a memoir, and that is They Called Us Enemy by George Takei. So and he writes about his childhood growing up in a Japanese internment camp here in America. So after the bombing of Pearl Harbor and what that was like, a time period in history that so many, so many history books don't even touch. And you can pull it in through a graphic reading of his memoir Again, so much educational value that, that you can experience with your kids and learn about. And that's what, like when I just started to open myself up to what was out there and I was like, this is not just, oh, we can do this so that the kids will go over reading, but there is richness and value in these books. This isn't a graphic version of another book. Like this no. is the only way you're getting this story. So I have just... Loved that. And one for younger kids was When Stars Are Scattered. So this was another memoir about growing up in a refugee camp. And so there's pictures of the actual people in here. So after they've read this story, they, you get to know the ending and you get to see who you just read about again. I love it. So much value. And of course, one of the things we all think of <laughs> is engaging reluctant readers and early readers. So I would be remiss not to discuss PB and J <laughs> who are for your early readers, your first through third grade about a P, a literal green P, a B, bumblebee, and a blue J, PB and J. Already, it's going to be a ton of fun. I love, I love seeing all the titles. Do you have any, what were like the frequent, I don't know if you find this, but in my house, it seems like my kids reread the graphic novels more than they do the books that yes. they've loved. Like they will reread a book, but they tend to like 
like obsessively reread certain series and graphic novels. And we were just talking about this week because we were at the library, we were at the library book fair. And so it prompted like what they were getting rid of. And we were having this whole conversation. And then we went to the library and my youngest got, what was it? The Crockett, my homework and <laughs> cardboard and El Defo. Cardboard Kingdom? Cardboard I think so. Kingdom's a good one. Yes. And it, those are some, and when you mentioned Amulet, that just are constantly in our house. And my daughter, the whole Raina Telgamir, I know, I don't think, is Smile a series? It might be a series. Smile her books. And, yes. oh, I forget the third one in that, but yes. All of her, Clash, Act, Drama, yes. Yes. they're all her also. Just loves those books and just will reread over and over. And I just, I love that they do that. Yeah, there's something beautiful about being able to finish the story in an hour or two versus yeah. a novel that's going to take a lot longer. So there's another great thing about graphic novels is you can get, you want to discuss plot arc and get through the whole thing in a day. <laughs> you could do that really quick with a graphic novel and it's all the same elements. But I think that's what makes them so easy to read and read again. So you mentioned in talking about the value of them and everything and why we should include them in our homeschool, you mentioned you have a resource for parents on graphic novels and another one that will- Another be- one coming. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us yeah, a little bit about I, that? Yeah, I tried to write what would have been helpful for me when I was discussing graphic novels with kids because after- two years now of reading a different graphic. I keep pointing to this shelf. These are all graphic novels of reading a different one every week. It's become very natural to me to be able to discuss it, but it's not for everyone to know that diagonal lines mean action and to talk about why there's vertical panels and that kind of thing. So what I did is I picked five, like a variety, five graphic novels. And for each graphic novel, parents get four discussion questions of just the plot, the story that they can discuss like you would with a novel with some suggested answers. <laughs> because I know that feeling as a parent where you're like, what's the right answer? <laughs> there, isn't a right, there, there isn't a right answer, but there's things you at least, I always like to knowing in my head, like what are some of the things I might want my kid to recognize in this? And then I have six specific turn to this page, like the foreshadowing in Super. Turn to this page, look at the drone out the bus window. This is, how is this an example of foreshadowing? Like giving them the specific colors to look at, panel shapes, sizes, ways. I always say to my students, how are the graphics helping tell the story? That's what we're trying to do. So in that guide, they also get six specific look at these pages and discuss this of how the graphics are helping to tell the story. And then I think I threw in there just because it's me, like a fun extension activity, if you wanted to do it, measuring up like baking and that kind of stuff, because who doesn't want to have fun at the end? (laughs) But the nice thing about graphic novels is you can do all of that in a week if you wanted to. You could read the story, have the discussion, do the activity and have it all done in a week which is really nice. I love that. And you're providing, if you're a parent that's just getting your toes wet with graphic novels or you don't know where to start, you're providing them with a really solid spine from that they can Hopefully, while it would be great if they wanted to buy a second one's going to be coming out in July, but by the time this is released, there should be two in my store, but, but hopefully they'll start to pick up on it and notice things themselves. They won't need me anymore. They'll be able to start to see the kinds 
to things you notice in a book. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're planning for the second one without giving it all away? It's going to be follow the same format. So like discussion questions, and then I can tell you one of the books that'll be in there. Oh yes. I would love it's here. Where is it? I thought it was. I brought it down there. There's so many books. If you're (laughs) listening to us, Mary is sitting in front of a beautiful bookshelf that is just loaded with fantastic titles. Oh, it is. I brought it down here. It's back here. Okay. So this was a favorite. It is called Marshmallow and Jordan. And I loved this one for so many reasons. It's magical realism, which I think is a really fun sub genre of fantasy. So you're not in a whole fantasy world, but you do have some magical realism going on here. It takes place in Asia. So it takes us to a different place. And the main character is in a wheelchair, which again, just always looking for diverse experiences in the world, diverse culture, Um, this one, and it's beautiful. It's like watercolor and it's just, I'm not turning to the most beautiful images. There we go. It's just, it's got this real sense of like peacefulness and beauty and so it's a lot of fun to discuss the artwork too so this will be one that they will find in the next set of five and again both packets right now are for tweens which is technically ages eight to twelve but it's so easy to go up or down and I think that's one thing about graphic novels that maybe is an advantage over other novels like I don't have any of my teenagers wanting to pick up Charlotte's Web and reread it (laughs) but they will they will pick up Dogman and reread yes. it. They will <laughs> pick up <laughs> Amulet and reread it, even though it's technically a tween book. They will pick up Nathan Hale still. So I have kids who are 14 who want to stay in Graphic Novel Club because they still love reading. Like, it seems to me like the age level gets, yes, there's a reading level, but it just blends right into adulthood. Like high schoolers are still wanting to read these same graphic novels because they love them. I don't know. There's some magic there. (laughs) Do you want to hear a funny story? I may have told this before, but we last winter went to visit my sister-in-law out in Colorado and it was the first time because she moved right before the pandemic. So we're finally like seeing her new house that isn't new anymore. And so (laughs) I had, I brought the Kindles for the kids and I had to do like a system reboot of my oldest it just it like last minute you're already packed I'm like what's wrong with the Kindle I did this whole thing yeah and apparently I set it up wrong so that he had access to Amazon and he (laughs) purchased over $200 worth of big Nate books and he read them all (laughs) he's 14 at the time I was like I woke up to all these notifications and I was like what on earth I was like you read those in 20 minutes so I had to like Amazon is very nice we'll let you return but the funny thing is that we were like what were you thinking and he was like I wasn't I was like you can't that's a lot of money and you've read all those books before and it's really so don't do that and then he went to sleep and I woke up in the morning to 75 more dollars he was like mom I thought I could just return them oh my gosh it's not library Amazon (laughs) I was like of all the books you chose but that's just an example of how they loved it and if your kids ever pull that on you, Amazon, you can get on the chat and they were very understanding. I think I only had to pay oh, for one. That is but. excellent. Go Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Like you're got jet lag and whatever, and he just couldn't sleep. So he had run out of whatever, didn't see anything enticing, discovered he could hack into my account. Just get big Nate. Yeah. Just like another very them. popular one here in this house too. Oh my goodness. And I'm thinking like, 
when my kids were little and still they've always loved Calvin and Hobbes and I loved Calvin and Hobbes as a kid and that's what our graphic novels were were like the comic they were comic books oh which brings up a great question what is the difference between a graphic novel and a comic book I now know so a graphic novel is the entire story it's the entire plot arc from introduction to conclusion with the climax with everything a comic book takes the full story and typically breaks it into smaller books. So you pick up a Spider-Man comic, you could be in the middle of the rising action, you could be in the middle of the conclusion, like you're somewhere in the Spider-Man comic story, which is not just the whole thing in one book. And our comic strips, which Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes and all that, they were showing up in the paper weekly. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they were standalone, but a lot of times, If you followed one, the story kind of continued, even though it was alone. So that's the difference between them and how the graphic novel has become its own unique format because it's the entire story. It is the novel and not just the comic strip or the comic book, which I think there's a lot of value. Calvin and Hobbes in particular, you want to talk about vocabulary. Oh my goodness. Graphic novels and comic books will build vocabulary because they have to be very particular about the words they choose. So they're going to choose words with a lot of impact. And Calvin and Hobbes in particular uses high level humor and vocabulary and kids love it. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's why people don't think of them as quote unquote educational is because we liken them to Sunday morning comics. I wonder if that's. Yeah. Like in our heads, we don't realize again, like that you can teach the entire plot and all the literary elements through one graphic novel because it is a whole novel just like any other book I love it it's approaching it with that like homeschooler educator spin because you could take it's like when we talk about interest like you could take any mundane interest that your kids have and make it interesting if you're willing to do a little digging and finding the things and ask the questions and have the conversations yes and what I love is it's one of the things that there, there are amazing teachers out there who maybe are using some graphic novels in their class, but it's not as common because they do have all this pressure to hit certain titles and have to do certain books and all that. And we don't. Yes, we can do like I did and spend the whole, now I'm not suggesting everyone spends a whole year with graphic novels. That was a particular <laughs> situation for a particular child, not but you somewhere can. out there, there's someone else with an artist in their house who struggles. And I remember turning to my husband and saying, let's be honest. If this child ever writes a book, it will be a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. What better way to spend her time than to study the format that she will probably write in? So we laughed about that. We were like, yeah, it's pretty true. Like, why are we even fighting this? Let's spend a year studying it. And I was so glad as a homeschooler, we can embrace that about a unique kid. So I didn't make everyone in my house do that, but that particular child did. And right. I'm so glad. And when you think if you had presented history in like a Nathan Hale format versus read this book, <laughs> or, workbook or whatever, just you're going to just retain so much more. And teachers are tied by all of the things that they need to do. And you and I both worked in schools. So we remember that I did yeah. orientation for my daughter who did seventh grade this year, public. And I immediately was like so relieved. The first teacher we met with was English and she had such a good library. And I was looking at the titles and she had everything. And I was like, have you read the book Whisperer? And she was like, I love Donalyn Miller. I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is good right here. (laughs) 
<laughs> she had all these yeah, rules. Yeah. Like basically there, the only rule is like, enjoy the book that you have. If you don't like it, bring it back. I don't care. Read a line, read, we'll, we'll find something That's for you. So good. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Thank goodness. I don't know far beyond seventh grade, how you can do that. But. <laughs> some years you win, some years you lose. Yeah. yeah my oldest <laughs> is like with To Kill a Mockingbird. He was like, I loved this book when I read it the first time. And this was in the Follies. They're like beating a dead horse. Like how much more <laughs> can we talk about it? Like, <laughs> I don't think I would have liked it. I was like, that's, yep, that's public. That's often right there. And um, that's a great example of one that has a graphic adaptation. Yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird. Does. And Animal mm -hmm. Farm, I read that last summer. Animal Farm has a graphic adaptation that for such a sad book, the graphics are quite lovely. <laughs> I have to go back and read that again. I had, I, we read Animal Farm in seventh grade and we hadn't done any of the history. And it was because our teacher got bumped from the high school down to the middle school and he was mad and he told us all the time. <laughs> And I was like, what is this even? I don't understand. And then when we later in high school were learning, I was like, why did he? And I always oh. hated it. Like I haven't <laughs> gone back to revisit it because it was such a terrible experience of me being like, why are they, why are the animals talking? I don't understand. What a great, okay. Another great use of the graphic novel is if you're not teaching it for literature purposes, because there's value in reading the whole novel for literature. There's not more in it, but if you're trying, if your real goal is forms of government and that mm -hmm. kind of thing, then why not pull the graphic novel? You don't need all the details of the novel. So again, also just evaluating your goals and keeping open to when a graphic novel might actually achieve the goal better than having yes. to have your kid read the whole novel if the goal isn't this literary eight right. month dive into animal farm, but more of an exposure to the concepts that you can then look at all the different commentaries there on government. Or if you have a kid that's really, that's in high school and is reading the original and the younger one is interested and wants, there's a lot of things oh, yeah. there that we're just like, he and he would ask us the history questions too. And I was like, I'm a good student. I was like, so stressed <laughs> out. Like, I don't understand. This is so weird. And then as the year went on, it became apparent that Charlie was just really mad. <laughs> he was really bitter about his placement. Out of a bunch, <laughs> bunch of seventh graders. So I'm assuming, I'm going to make an assumption that you're planning to do more of these graphic novels. I am. And it's crazy. I remember the first year thinking, okay, I'll pick these out and then I'll probably have to repeat a bunch. No, <laughs> nope. I'm doing two and a half years worth now and I have not repeated a graphic novel. So... I think that was even shocking to me, mm -hmm. someone who reads graphic novels with their kids that they're just, there's so many, it blows my mind. So I will be entering now the third year of a graphic novel a week in a weekly book club and none of the titles will repeat. Wow. <laughs> I love that. What, do you know, and I'm putting you on the spot, when did they start becoming super popular? Like what were the first graphic novels? Were they 80? That's a really great question. I'm I don't look this know. Up later. And you know what? I should look this up because I talk about them so much. <laughs> Sorry, Mary. But I, I feel like the last decade has been a boom. Yeah. Just a boom. Because I'm trying to think back to my teen years and I don't think, and maybe I just wasn't. A kid I don't remember who, reading one. No, like Calvin and Hobbes and things like that, but not, I don't remember any like graphic type novels. It'd be like 
I, I remember okay. the first thing. That now you have me curious. <laughs> I looked on Google. I remember Geronimo Stilton. Like my kids were really into that for a while. And that was like our first like dabble in, I don't know if that's considered a graphic novel, but like all the font changes and things like that. Oh yeah. There's another whole one. There, there was technically the first one was in 1783, well, but Mary, I don't you gotta, think. You gotta cover that one. <laughs> I don't think it was real popular. And then we had, it looks like 1974, there was a series called The First Kingdom mm. and it described itself as the first graphic novel. But again, when we're looking at like the first one or two coming out, I think obviously the last 10 years has been a huge boom from what uh, I can see. Now I want to look at the kingdom. I don't know. What was that? I wonder if it was um, like gaming, like the. I could see. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We're going off on a whole tangent. I could yeah, talk whole to you tangent. forever, Mary. I could talk to you forever, but I'm going to switch to rapid fire if that's okay with you. Okay. Are you ready for it? <laughs> ready as all ever me. I want to do the Taylor Swift voice, but I'll spare you. <laughs> when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher. And you were. Ding. Like triple college teacher, homeschooler, <laughs> online teacher. What was your favorite childhood game or toy? Ooh, game back in the day, it was called Rubik's Race and it's now called Square Up. I think we have a version called Square Up where it wasn't a Rubik's Cube, but it was like, what are those puzzles called where you shift the blocks around? Yes. It's that that kind of a puzzle. In goodie bags at birthday parties. Yeah. And you would shake this Rubik's Cube and it would lay a side down with nine colors and you would have to race the other person to make it that nine color match. I still consider myself the all-time champion of that game. Just say, what was your favorite book as a kid? The Nancy Drew series. I couldn't pick one, but I read them all the time. That was my favorite. The originals too, like the old school. Oh yeah. I had all the yellow bind. Yeah. Hardcover. I had them all. Those at her house. My cousins were boys, like close in age to me. And so my brothers would be playing and I just read Nancy Drew. That always makes me think of her house. Yes. My um, favorite. So good. What is the best book you've read or books in the last five or so years? I know it's a terrible question. This is a terrible question. <laughs> Here's how I'm going to answer it. I am going to answer it with what is the, the best memoir I've read because, or the most interesting because I'm on a memoir kick. So I thought, you know I what? Love memoirs. I've read a ton of memoirs recently. And the one that was most intriguing for me was Matthew McConaughey's. Really? It's weird. Okay. This is always pushed to me and I'm like, stop it with the algorithm. Like, like cause I'm not at, I don't, he's fine, yeah. but I'm not like, like a Matthew McConaughey. I only follow him in his rom-com, in yeah. his rom-com phase. Yeah. And it's actually his least favorite movies he's ever done, which I learned in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never saw Dazed and Confused, but I loved his stories about the, about that movie. And he's just a really interesting, weird guy. And so I just enjoyed his, he had wisdom in that book that I, w- I was listening on audio and I wish I had the book to write it down. There were just those tidbits that you're like, wow, that's a really great thought, Matthew McConaughey. I had no idea you were this deep. And then he's talking about swimming naked in the Amazon river. He's just an odd guy and it was a enjoyable read. So I will say that was my favorite memo. Didn't he get arrested years. for playing bongos naked or something in his yard or something? Yes. It's two <laughs> in the morning. He that. talks all about that. 
Uh-huh. And how he refused to get dressed because he was so angry. He was like, no, you arrested me naked. Take me naked. So he's just a very odd guy. And yeah. I enjoyed his story and his wisdom. I've quoted some of his stuff because I just, I don't know. Again, I don't want to hype it up too much. No, because I was I, surprised. No. I'm going to, I'm going to see if our library has it or if somebody has it. Cause it's constantly like at any time I get like an audible ad or anything, it's always hits. And I'm like, do you think I'm like a super fan or something like constantly, but it also <laughs> is like you, intriguing because he is, when you see him in interviews and things, he's quirky. He's so. quirky is a great word. And this book confirms quirky, <laughs> but yet there's this very, and I think artists do have a lot of these like deep inner lives just mm-hmm. as a generalization. So you get this glimpse into his unique journey into acting and then like his deep inner thought life. It is adult. I want to yes. make that very clear on the podcast. This He is very comfortable talking about some adult things that maybe I didn't want to know about him. Maybe the bongos is a little, the bongos story just is a little precursor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get a little more than that and you can just <laughs> leave it at that. But really I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Okay. And so. I want to read the book and not because I like his voice, but does he read? That's audio? why I listened to the audible, but yeah. I really did miss not having a highlighter for some of this occasional amazing thought that would come out. And I really liked it too. I've been doing a lot of memoirs because my favorite, you didn't ask this, but here's another rapid fire. I'll give myself. What's your favorite yeah. genre, Mary? It's actually like psychological thrillers. But I That's think there's, oh, there can be the overlap there. I like both of those two. Memoir is my favorite, but I think something that makes the memoirs especially interesting is when it's got some wild story or educated where you're oh, like, yeah. Did you read, I'm glad my mother died. We're getting off, but oh. No. Jeanette McCurdy, who I did not watch. Was she on iCarly? Some Nickelodeon show. She's a famous actress. And she wrote a memoir called, I'm glad my mother died. And wow. Yeah. It's it's very similar in theme to educated. Okay. It's okay. Then I need to get that one too. Oh, Mary, you're going to be filling my car. You can't tell my husband. Did you? (laughs) Library had it. (laughs) While we're on a memoir conversation, one that I listened to on Audible lately when I had recently when I had a credit was the one by Bono and he sings in it. Oh, that just went on my list this week. Yeah. I heard it's really good. It was really good. Really good. And I would highly recommend, I didn't read it obviously because I wanted, I knew that he sang on it. Um, I like you too. I'm not a super fan, but it was really well done. I thought. And just listening to his voice, just nice. I love when you have a good reading. Yeah. So I would recommend that one too. Ooh. Yeah. Filling my cart. What is bringing you joy right now? What is bringing joy right now? The extra. Okay. I know this sounds silly because it's May and it's so busy, but I want to say the extra time to handle that busyness, like not having school. I'm sorry. I just, I was very done with school. I know some people school year round and it's great and that's wonderful, but I've always been very done and ready for a break. So it is bringing me joy to just walk up to Duncan with my son and not have to take math. But yeah. just to walk up and then sit and play Uno and walk back. This is making me want to be done because we, so my youngest might go to my try school in the fall. And so I have on the one hand, I have, this is, this might be our last month <gasps> homeschooling, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm over it. Just, We're done. We're both, the weather's finally nice, even though we had a frost <laughs> the other day, random frost after everybody plants everything, but the weather's finally nice. And I'm just like, why? And knowing that two that went to school were fine, you know, you're yeah. worried. they were all like, I'm yeah. not going to be behind. And they were They're fine. fine. So I'm like, do I just stop? 
Yeah, I think you declare today the last day. <laughs> you bake something and you're like school potentially. So funny. Oh, Mary, it's always so fun to chat with you. I wish we lived closer. If I could just like tug North Carolina up here. I know. Seriously. No, you're a little cold. We're going to just yeah. tug you down this way. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Before we go, could you, and I'll put everything in the show notes, but could you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes, they can find me at maryhannawilson.com is the website. And then on all the social media, I'm either Mary Hannah Wilson or Mary Wilson blog. So Instagram and TikTok are my favorite two places. That is where you will find me doing very different things on those two platforms, but I love them both. So if you use Instagram or if you use TikTok, I'm in both of those places. Thank you so much for coming on. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. Bye. Goodbye. Hey sisters, Kate here. As a lifelong gamer, school psychologist, and homeschool mom, I have witnessed time and time again the power of play when it comes to learning. In fact, I truly believe that homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. Now, does that mean it's going to be all sunshine, rainbows, and laughter? Heck to the no way. But I do believe we could all be having a heck of a lot more fun. A playful mindset can transform your homeschool routine and your family life. The best part? You don't need an overflowing game closet to get started. You can be a game schooler today with just a deck of cards, and I'd love to show you how. That's why I created Never Bored Learning. Never Bored Learning is a private online community for creative parents and educators who embrace play-based learning and game schooling. The goal of Never Bored Learning is to play more and learn lots in the process. Your Never Bored Learning membership includes access to monthly guest speakers, live Q&As, monthly day-in-the-life family spotlights, and an ever-growing library filled with printable resources, including documentation resources, challenges, and print and play games and activities. But the very best part of NBL is the private online community forum. This is not a Facebook group, and it is hands down my favorite spot on the internet. The community is a vibrant one filled with creative parents and educators. I wake up every morning before my kids, I pour myself that very first cup of coffee, and I hang out in the MBL community forum. It's my favorite way to start the day, and I'd love to see you there. If you'd like to learn more about Neverboard Learning, visit neverboardlearning.com. That's N-E-V-E-R-B-O-A-R-D-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G.com. And if you're not ready for a monthly commitment, but you're interested in getting your feet wet with game schooling, I invite you to sign up for our free seven-day game school kickstart, which you can find on mylittlepoppies.com, or enroll in our digital course, Game Schooling 101. I can't wait to show you the power that play can have on your homeschool and family life. I wish you a play-filled year, sisters. Chat soon. Bye for now.